glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the point of line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> gentlemen to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast brought to you by me your host matt bruning you can find me at sports fanatic mb on twitter today's episode will be between me and dennis as we give you guys our first initial reactions to the qbs and the running backs that have been drafted in the 2019 draft class this is a pretty much raw unedited episode uh this one and the next one that you guys will hear later on coming out tonight uh almost completely non-edited except for adding in the intros and then the exit as well just to give you guys kind of our first impressions on everything that happened and all the players that got drafted in the quarterbacks and the running backs in this 2019 draft class so please enjoy And we've got Dennis with us here today. Uh, I talked about it the other day. Uh, we are going to be giving just kind of our full reactions on the entire draft. It just ended a couple hours ago. Well, that's why we kind of wanted to hold off until late afternoon Saturday to discuss everything, give you guys just our full thoughts on the entire class. This, this episode might run a little bit longer than usual because we are literally going to go through the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends today. Dennis, just your quick thoughts on how the draft played out and, and everything. Did you enjoy it? I know you got to watch some of it and didn't get to watch a, a couple of rounds. How did everything go for you? Well, I, hello, by the way. and I kind of enjoyed it. There wasn't a ton of fantasy relevance on day one. You know, just a few guys from a fantasy perspective. Unless you play IDP, then there were quite a few guys. But um, it was, you know, unfortunately, you know, GMs aren't drafting for fantasy. Right. You know, team presidents aren't drafting for fantasy. So there's there's guys that, that uh, you know, were in my top 24 at positions that didn't get drafted at all and still haven't signed as free agents. And I'm like, huh, wonder what's going on there. And uh, but, you know, we look at we look at everything through a fantasy football lens. That's that's what we do here. So I I enjoyed the draft day two. I didn't get to uh, catch a lot of it live. I did a little bit of recap. Um, went and saw Endgame instead, which was pretty great movie. Took the kids yeah. to it and had had a good time there. A uh, little bit of Cub Scout activity before that. So you know, uh, today was uh, fast and furious. It just you know after being out of the loop yesterday, I was trying to get my notes caught up uh, to this morning. And uh, just the draft, next thing I know, we're, we're already into the fifth round, and I'm still trying to catch up from uh, day two and put my thoughts together. So it's been an interesting, uh, interesting draft. Yeah, for sure. And I got to see Endgame this morning, and it was, it was amazing. I, I don't know, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I have no spoilers here. I, part of it was spoiled for me, unfortunately, on Twitter, thanks to uh, LaShawn McCoy and God, God's gotta love him, I guess. Uh, 
the uh, I thought it was amazing. Uh, that's just what I'll say. A perfect end to the twenty-something year run that I believe they had is what it was saying. I know it's twenty-two movies altogether. So, uh, just an amazing movie. I'm not gonna lie. I teared up a little bit uh, at the end there. You'll probably know why. Um, but yeah, it's just a an amazing movie, and I loved it to to death. It was uh, by far one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life, and I don't think that's an understatement to say. It was just about the best movie in two lifetimes, as long as it was. Yeah, that's true as well. It was uh it got a little rough there at the end for me. I'm uh <clears throat> someone who uh I drink a lot. Like not just alcohol. I had a uh, water and Dr. Pepper while I was there. And uh I'm just someone who's constantly drinking and oh my goodness, yeah. Right there at the end, I think there was uh, I, I just happened to glance at my phone because uh, I wanted to see about how much time I had left. There's about 40 minutes of movie left, and I was like, my goodness, I thought I was going to die, but I, I was able to hold out to the very end there, and it was it was well worth it. Um, just my real quick thoughts on the draft. Uh, I agree with you. I feel like, in, in all honesty, even after, because I, I did get a chance to watch all of round one and pretty much all of round two. Today, uh, we're recording on Saturday, so the, the last three rounds there uh, were the ones that I, I missed out on. I did not get a chance to watch this day three stuff, so I was doing the same thing all day today, all morning while at the movies, and then I had some stuff going on after the fact that I was trying to catch up. And it really, I'm just, I'm not thrilled with a lot of landing spots fantasy-wise for these guys. Like, I think that uh, it's going to be a good class for the NFL. And I do think a lot of these players are going to be produced. But as we're about to go over the list here of everybody, I'm, I am really not excited about starting a lot of my rookie drafts come Monday or Tuesday or this next coming week like a lot of leagues will. Uh, just based on the fact that I don't know how a lot of these guys are going to shake out uh, with their landing spots. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm really interested to see your or hear your thoughts uh, on some of these guys. So let's jump right into it. We're going to start with the quarterbacks, and we'll move on down the list. So quarterbacks, in the first round, obviously 1-1, one, one, you had Kyler Murray. Uh, I think a lot of us expected that. I know me and you had been talking about that now for months, it seems like. I know when we did the NFC West per, uh, review show, we both talked about all the rumors coming out. Kyler Murray going to Arizona. We both seemed like that was what was going to happen. Uh, seemed a little sketchy at first. A lot of people thought they might end up switching and going to Bosa, but they did go Kyler Murray. My just initial thoughts are I like it. I am a Murray believer. I do think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. They did give him a couple weapons as well, and Isabella and Butler, who we'll obviously talk about later as well in the wide receivers. But uh, my initial reaction is I like it. Obviously, it's going to come down to him and Cliff Kingsbury, and can they implement a somewhat college football offense and make it work in the NFL, and that's exactly what's going to allow him to thrive or fail in the NFL. Uh, For you, what are your thoughts on Kyler? You know, I I haven't – I'm not – looking for a, a ton of success from Kyler Murray. I don't think he's going to be uh, what a lot of people think he is. He's a outlier in terms of size and ability, and could it happen? Sure, it could. Uh, they're going to try to work a lot of college concepts that are getting more and more accepted in NFL circles, but it's a situation where you've got a mediocre college coach that uh, apparently interviews really, really well. Either that or he knows uh, uh, McVay, um, Sean McVay. And, and so he's got this job. They brought in some receivers to try to fit the same system. And it's going to be interesting to watch and see how well they're able to pull it off. 
because they didn't do much on the offensive line, which was really what the issues were for them. Now, Butler, I know, was your number one, and they brought him in in the, what, fourth round? Yes, the fourth um, round. And they brought in Isabella, who's really fast and, um, you know, is, is uh, you know, uh, again, he's an outlier in terms of being an outside receiver for as big as he is. So there, there's going to be a lot of things that they have to bring up to an NFL level to make it work. I think that uh, I, I don't think he's going to be able to run as much as um, a lot of people expect because I think he's going to take a beating and that's going to wear on him. I, I, you know, Lamar Jackson is six one and uh, two fifteen, two twenty, and they're already talking about how much they're going to try to scale back his running. You know, uh, by no means am I comparing Murray to Cam Newton, but. Newton has taken a beating trying to to use his athletic ability, and and it's getting more and more. You know, if he's breaking down after seven or eight years uh, because of the beating he's taken, and he's six foot five and two hundred and forty pounds, or some something huge like that, I just don't see how Murray is going to be able to hold up trying to uh, be out there on the run making plays. Um, you know, he can do some good things, and I think maybe for a couple of years he might have some success. Uh, but I think I tweeted it out maybe Thursday night, uh, uh, wondering who the uh, the new coach of the Cardinals was going to be drafting as their QB1 in 2022. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with you on the running part. I don't think that he'll be able to do that. I don't think they'll expect him to either. I do think that he'll do it at times. Or, you know, if he's flushed out of the pocket, run around a little bit to try and get the ball downfield, but I don't expect him to run the ball that much. But uh, obviously it seems like we're both kind of on the opposite ends here. Uh, and again, that'll it'll be interesting. It's still very early, so obviously we'll, we'll definitely have time to change our minds or look more into this uh, once the offseason programs get going and we see how they continue to build the team around them and everything. But uh, gonna, I think definitely going to be interesting. Uh, to see what they do with it, because I do agree with some of the points that you're saying and, and what could allow him to fail uh, very quickly in the NFL. Uh, so the next quarterback that came off the board was Daniel Jones at uh, the sixth pick to the New York Giants. This uh, shocked me. I know there was a lot of talk leading up to this pick. I think really kind of came in on Wednesday uh, was a talk that I saw that the Giants were looking and leaning toward Daniel Jones. I thought it was a smokescreen. I really thought they were going to go Dwayne Haskins. I don't hate Daniel Jones as much as other people do. I do think he is a good quarterback. I do think that a lot of the talk about the connections he has uh, to the Manning family and uh, I can't remember his name. I want to say it was Cutcliffe. Uh, David Cutcliffe, yeah. yep. The now coach there who's like a quarterback whisperer or something like that. Uh, I don't obviously don't think he was that good of a quarterback whisperer because I don't think that Daniel Jones has proven that he is the second best quarterback or even near the top. Uh, I had him four, I think, in mine uh, behind Drew Locke, Haskins, and Murray. So it'll be interesting to see what Daniel Jones does. There was obviously talk that he will possibly sit three years behind Eli Manning, which I don't see at all. I think he sits at most one year. I think he eventually becomes a starter this year with the way Eli looked last year. Uh, I just am not a big fan of this pick. I, I would have gone Dwayne Haskins because uh, I think he is the best quarterback in this class. Uh, so it'll be fun to see, especially because uh, Dwayne Haskins went to a uh, in 
in-conference rival, in-division rival, actually, and uh, though they'll play him twice a year, every year for the next probably 10 years to come. So it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, just I'm not a fan of this pick, uh, and I'm not sure that this does anything for, you know, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, any of those guys there, Golden Tate, I think he signed, yeah, he signed with the Giants there as well, so not sure this does really much for them either moving forward, and I'm not, not a fan of this pick and uh, his draft stock moving forward. What about you? I, you know, I had Jones at number five. I do think he was um, the last of the potential starters in this quarterback class for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, he has journeyman written all over him. Uh, I think he's going to sit most of this year. You know, Gettleman talking his whole three-year plan. I don't. I don't think he was intimating or, or necessarily trying to say Eli's going to be our starter for three more years. Uh, I think that's just, you know, his his way to get around say, telling people, well, we're gonna, we, our plan is to play Eli for X number of games and then turn it over to Daniel. I, I think that, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, you know, if you're young and you haven't uh, went to college yet, uh, you know, and aren't going to be an athlete. This shows the power of networking, of getting into organizations, whether they're fraternities or or other groups when you're in college and high school. Um, go out there, kids, and, and make connections because there's a ton of, uh, you know, the old saying goes, it isn't what you know, it's who you know. Daniel Jones knows the Mannings, and they went to bat for him. So, you know, he's going to come in and, He's definitely going to play nice with Eli. I think some of these guys that were there, they they felt like they should be the starter. They should have been given the opportunity. Um, but I think Daniel Jones, based on his history with the family, is gonna he'll wait his turn. He's gonna they're gonna make sure he's ready. Uh, they're gonna. I, I think he's part of helping to preserve the Manning legacy. That's a very interesting way of putting it, to helping preserve the Manning legacy. Yeah, I do think it would be the best for him to sit for the entire year, and I do hope they give him that shot. It'll be interesting to see if that happens with with Eli. Like I said, I, I was one of those people who did not think he played as bad as some people did last year. If you really go back and look at the stats that he put up, they were actually a lot better than people give him credit for. A lot of it was his offensive line, but again, you lose Odell Beckham Jr., I think a lot of people are going to key in solely on Saquon Barkley in this coming season with what with what he did last year and everything. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Daniel Jones can handle if he ends up seeing the field this year. Number th- the third quarterback off the board, Dwayne Haskins at pick fifteen in the first round, the last first round quarterback, which was also a surprise and, and just a. Big surprise to me that he fell all the way down to 15. Uh, Again, another thing that was talked about a lot in the days leading up to the draft that the Washington Redskins were talking about trading up to get Dwayne Haskins. That's who they wanted. That's who they fell in love with. Uh, As an Ohio State fan, again, I'm a huge fan of Dwayne Haskins, but I do think he was the best quarterback in the class without, without taking out my Ohio State bias. I love the way he answered a lot of the interview questions when he got drafted about he thinks that the whole, I believe the quote was, the, the league done messed up and letting him get to that far, and he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. And I love that he's got a chip on his shoulder, like he said. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. On top of that, they have added a lot of weapons in this draft that I really like. I, I know Harmon was one of them. 
Uh, I can't remember exactly who some of the other ones are. I would imagine, Dennis, you'll know, so you can touch on them here in a second. I can't remember. I know there's a couple wide receivers that came off to Washington that really I'm interested to see. I know one of them was McLaurin, uh, and I am a little worried about that because they didn't really have a great connection at Ohio State, but maybe that changes into the NFL. Uh, But I'm definitely interested in these guys. I do think that uh, with Haskins there, Probably being the guy from the first snapper. If they even they give Case Keenum the ball, I imagine Haskins takes over at some point in time this season uh, and becomes the franchise starter and, and just runs with it. I have nothing but praise for this pick for the Redskins, and I think Haskins is going to be a you know mid-tier uh, two to high, possibly even top 12 quarterback for years to come after a year or so, letting him get in, his feet wet and get into the league. Yeah, I, I'm a big Haskins fan. He was my QB1. Um, I, you know, I think Gruden is going to let Keenum start the year unless Haskins just comes in and blows the doors off, which is, you know, old school, I guess the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Haskins, you know, after sitting at Ohio state, uh, for what he's, he sat for two years, he played seven games his yeah. sophomore year in, in relief of JT Barrett and then came in and started for a year. If he's Washington needs to make sure that their offensive line is uh, in shape. Uh, Haskins is, you know, he's not mobile by any stretch. He's got that Tom Brady mobility, so he can move around the pocket. And if he gets flushed, he's gonna, you know, give it all he's got. But if he gains you one yard on a scramble, you're gonna consider that a win. Um, bringing some people in, you know, they drafted Bryce Love, they drafted uh, Calvin Harmon. Um, They've got Josh Dotson, Paul Richardson. So, you know, I would expect right now, you know, Dotson's going to be on the outside. McLaurin, I think they, they're they going to try to get him uh, on the field. You know, I don't know if it, I, I don't know if I would say he didn't have a connection with Haskins. He did only catch 35 passes, um, but they were for uh, – he caught 11 touchdowns and averaged 20 yards a catch. So, even on 35 passes, he still had 700 yards. So he's going to give them uh, that down-the-field guy that they don't have uh, or that Richardson hasn't been able to give them since he's uh, been injured. Dotson will be that intermediate guy. You know, you've got Josh, uh, not Josh, Jordan Reed there. You know, there's been some talk about uh, Geis not healing up as quick. I feel like Bryce Love is going to be redshirted this year. Chris Thompson's there. He's in the last year of his deal. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if next year that backfield is uh, Darius Geis and Bryce Love. Yeah, that that Bryce Love pick was very interesting for me as well. Uh, The next guy that came off the board was Drew Locke at pick 10 in the second round. Uh, It was The Broncos actually traded up to get it. Terror to get that pick, uh, and I thought it was a phenomenal move. A lot of people thought that Drew Locke was going to go in the first round to the Broncos. Um, you know, just going based overall draft strategy, I thought the Broncos kind of knocked it out of the park doing what they did. Drafted a couple of players. I know they drafted a really good offensive lineman, actually, to pick right before taking Locke. And then they traded up, got that pick, took Drew Locke. Uh, I think he's the typical guy that Elway wants. Guy with a big arm, a lot of upside. I do think he's going to be a lot better than Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler. Uh, I have a lot of hope and for Drew Locke. I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. I um, mean, I do think he is one of these guys that's going to be given kind of 
a whole year to sit as well uh, behind Joe Flacco. They'll let Joe Flacco in this year, I believe, because of the trade. Next year, he they can get out of his contract with no dead or no uh, cap hit to him. What's to the Broncos whatsoever? So that's for me. I think when they're going to let Drew Locke kind of take over the team next year in 2020 and run with it and be the guy. But uh, I love the move for them. Love the fit for Drew Locke. I think this is one of the with Dwayne Haskins. These two picks right here were like the knockout picks of the uh, knockout of the park picks for me at quarterback. Yeah, I I like Locke to Denver. Yeah, it was. Nice to see, like with Haskins, a team stay put and not get go crazy trying to get their guy. You know, Denver evaluated the draft and said, you know, this is our guy, but he's got to be our guy at the right price. And then taking him at 42 uh, after taking uh, Dalton Risner, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, the tackle out of Kansas State. So they drafted Garrett Bowles, I think, last year, the year before. They got Dalton Risner now. They'll put on the other side. That's two bookend tackles that's going to set them up uh, and really open up some holes for my boy Royce Freeman. <laughs> the uh, no, But I like Locke to sit. I don't think Locke sees the field uh, unless Flacco gets injured. Yeah. And uh, you're right on Flacco's contract. He has no, no dead money at all in the contract. So when he gets cut, he gets cut, and that's it. Gotcha. Um, uh, just check that on spot track. So, you know, he's got some hefty base salaries, 18 and a half million this year, 20 and a quarter next year and 24 and a quarter and 21. Um, you know, they also signed a free agent. They signed uh Brett Rippon, oh, okay. uh, as a free agent. That, so, so you know, if they, he'll probably be practice squad guy this year. But if Locke takes over next year and they let uh, Flacco go, you know, Rippon could be moving up into that backup spot and a lot of people uh, really liked ripping i think with Locke, you have to know what you're getting and i think elway does he knows he's going to get a guy that's got uh, a cowboy mentality that's going to take some chances got a big arm mobile you know he's a young john elway yeah just has uh he's just not accurate sometimes so you know you know that about him and so you have to learn to live with it so the next quarterback was Will Greer in the third round, pick 36 in the third round to the Carolina Panthers, which um, for me, honestly, this this went really the next couple guys we're going to go to. They're actually the next three guys I'm actually fairly interested in. But uh, Will Greer, I liked him coming out. I thought he had a chance to be one of the pro quarterbacks in this draft. I don't like the landing spot for him because I don't see him beating out Cam Newton. Obviously, there's a shot that maybe – he plays this year if they do end up sitting Cam Newton based on his shoulder injury. We still don't know exactly what Carolina is going to do with that yet. Um, so I do like possibly Will Greer's prospects this year to possibly be an NFL starter. I do think he is another guy who needs time, though. He needs to develop a little bit more, but dude's got a cannon. Uh, I thought he was going to be a really good quarterback coming out. But again, with uh, with him going to Carolina, I don't see him as anything but a backup to Cam Newton as of right now. Yeah, I... I agree 100% that he's Cam's going to be a backup. Uh, I like Greer as a prospect, and I think this is a blessing in disguise for Greer. Uh, he's going to go somewhere. He's going to be under contract for the next four years. Uh, after 2019, Cam only has one more year left on his deal, so he's going to be looking to get an extension, and I think Greer is – going to kind of dictate how 
eager Carolina will be to give him that extension. So if Greer comes in and camp and looks good and can actually win the uh, number two job this year, probably not. He's probably going to be number three behind Taylor Heineke. Um, But if Greer can step up and show he's got starter qualities and give them some level of confidence, uh, they may be ready to move on from Cam and not offer him that uh, that next big extension. He's going to be 30 years old this year. Uh, he's been injured. He has had, uh, you know, there's questions about his shoulder right now, even though for the most part everybody's saying everything is fine. Um, like I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Murray, Cam has been taking a beating. And so he is going to be coming to the end a little quicker than uh, some of these guys that are pure passers. Cam was Cam isn't going to be able to get by on accuracy because that's never been his game. So Greer going there and playing caddy for a couple of years could be just what he needs to give him an opportunity in you know, 2021 to come in and win the job. The next two picks uh, for the quarterbacks that came off the board are both very interesting to me. The first one is Ryan Finley, who came off as the second pick in the fourth round to the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of people very high on Ryan Finley. I am not one of them as of right now, and I'm not. I'm gonna you know hold off on the minute because I do think that he has a chance to possibly be Cincinnati's future starter. And that's why I think they drafted him there. But there were a lot of people coming into the draft process who had him high, had him up all the way in their top five. I had him down at eight or nine in most of my quarterback rankings. I'm just not that much of a believer in him. Uh, But I do think he is someone to watch as of right now because, again, I believe Cincinnati is the same thing with Dalton. They can get out of his contract next year with either little or no cap hit. uh, And he could honestly be their future moving forward. This is the new regime in Cincinnati. They obviously wanted this guy. They took him in the fourth round. You know, I know a lot of people say, well, they took him in the fourth round. They may not want him that bad. No, this... This draft was very different. You're going to see a lot of these offensive players that went off in the second to fifth, sixth round. They're going to have a lot of value, I think, going forward the next couple years. This was just a very heavy defensive class, uh, one that we haven't seen this heavy in defense in a long time. So I really am interested to see how they handle this whole Ryan Finley uh, situation. If you are a believer in Ryan Finley, I think this is a great spot for him to fall because I do think he has a very realistic shot of being the starter in Cincy. Yeah, I... You know, I think Finley has some good qualities about him. He, definitely a, an accurate passer, 64% career in college. Um, his senior year, he completed 67% of his passes, um, almost 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns. Uh, he does ha- he does probably throw a few more interceptions than uh, you would like in, in for somebody in college. But uh, he's, de- he's a guy that... Uh, you know, I can see Zach Taylor. Look, he kind of reminds me of Jared Goff, and so after coming from the Rams, you know, he's got that tall, thin build and uh, throws an accurate ball with a decent arm. Can get the ball where it needs to be. So I can definitely see uh, him as getting the first shot to be the quarterback of the future. There's no dead cap on uh, Andy Dalton's contract. There's no dead money left. So he's got, he's signed for two more years, but he's coming off the injury this year. I think they're going to give him a shot to rehab his trade value, maybe, and then uh, 
maybe they try to move him next off season to as a bridge quarterback to to some team uh, and, and try to get you know a sixth or seventh round pick for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I agree with you. I can see I can see Finley coming in and uh, taking over as the starter on, on this team in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. The next one, uh, again, another player that a lot of uh, guys were very high on going into the draft process, another quarterback that I was not, Jared Stidham, got drafted as the 31st pick in the fourth round to the New England Patriots. Now, I know this is probably the easy answer to make, but this could be someone that Bill Belichick sees as his future quarterback. We all know Tom Brady likely has two seasons left, I would say, and maybe three at the most. I believe he said he wanted to play two or three more seasons a couple years ago. I just He had a fairly precipitous downfall this year. I, I was being a quarterback in my opinion. I know that the Patriots obviously still went on and won the Super Bowl, but he did not look great in that Super Bowl. He did not look great throughout most of this year. His reign as a top quarterback in the NFL and fantasy quarterback is coming to an end quicker than probably he wants it to. I believe that they took Jared Siddham for a reason. I could be wrong on that, but he is very much like Ryan Finley for me, someone you need to watch. If you are high on him, this is a great landing spot for him because it could be someone that Bill believes in becoming the starter in New England. Yeah, I think uh, – it. what was it? Uh, I think Denver – the year before they drafted Elway, they drafted Kubiak. Uh, yeah, I kind of see that as one of these moves. Mm-hmm. I, I think they see Stidham as a career backup, uh, somebody they might be able to maybe get a, a draft pick for in a couple, three years if he plays well in relief of Brady. I don't think Stidham is a starter quality guy. Uh, you know, he – has a decent completion percentage playing in that Auburn uh, offense though. He didn't throw for a ton of yards. So, you know, he might be, a, he, you know, maybe Bill sees something, but I think he's just a guy. He's going to be, uh, I don't even think he's going to be uh Charlie Whitehurst uh, level backup. Mm-hmm. I think he, you know, if he gets a second contract, it'll be, uh, you know, maybe a, a one year, two year deal. Kind of thing. I, I don't think he's. Uh, n- I'm not buying it. Yeah, like I said, I, I'm right there with you. I'm not a believer in Jared Stidham. I, I did not have him. I believe I had him outside my top 10 and sometimes my top 12, debating on when I was doing the rankings uh, on certain guys that have jumped up in there. So I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, something that a lot of people will – there's just a lot of people who have been very high on him. So, and, you know, as as we always like to joke about with my Ronald Jones takes, uh, you know, I know that I'm not always right, so I do want to throw that caveat out there. There are people who do like Jared Stidham a lot more than either one of us do. Um, so there is a possibility that they are right and then this is, is could end up being a very good landing spot for him uh the one that i'm really interested in was the next pick easton stick in the fifth round the 28th pick to the oh, sorry i was going to say the san diego the los angeles chargers this is a spot that i was really hoping a guy like tyree jackson would go because again same thing with philip rivers he's probably got about two or three years left so it's someone that can sit there learn behind him and then take over this team same thing with Easton Sick. There's a lot of people who are very high on him going into this draft. There's a lot of talk about how good he was. Came out of North Dakota State. That's a, there's a lot of talk that he will because he didn't play certain competition or you know top level competition. That's why he was dropped down so far. So or dropped down 
on so many boards. Uh, I've liked some of what I've seen from him. I've never had him in my top 12, so I don't know if I really truly expect him to become the starter in Los Angeles, but I did think that was a very interesting pick. Now, maybe he's just a backup. You know, they do have, uh, I know that at least they still have Cardell Jones there. Maybe he takes over as the backup over Cardell. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of Easton Stick, but I did think it was a very interesting draft choice for them to take him in the fifth round, especially with as high as a lot of people were on him. Yeah, um, you know, Stick only competed, completed 61% of his passes in college. Uh, he had a decent uh, YPA, almost 10 yards, 8.9 for his career, almost 10 yards in his senior season. Stick is very mobile and a, a really good rusher. He did he rushed for over 2,500 yards in uh, his college career, threw for 8,700 yards. Um, had a almost a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. So I, I think he's, you know, coming from a small school, it's, it's easy to pigeonhole him as, Oh, he's going to be nothing but a backup, but you, he's going a 37 year old Phillip rivers. Um, he's going to have an opportunity to prove himself here in the next couple of years. So, if they don't believe Cardale is the guy to bat, to succeed Rivers, you know, then the Chargers uh, are going to be looking for somebody, and Stick is going to have as good a chance as anybody. I think what he brings to the table is competitiveness. Uh, he he's going to, he's a little little school guy going to go up against these big school guys, and he wants to prove that he can do it. And so he's going to go out there, and he's going to make it happen whether it's through the air or on the ground uh six foot two 221 pounds so he's built like a, a running back and has good speed I, I think he had like a really i think he ran like a four six forty at the combine but had like a really low three cone speed i don't remember off the top of my head what it was but uh he was uh you know, he impressed some people. With the 29th pick in the fifth round, Clayton Thorson out of Northwestern went to the Philadelphia Eagles. They traded up to get him. So he is a – I really like the Thorson pick. He's someone that if Carson Wentz uh, – if you own Carson Wentz in fantasy, he's definitely worth a late-round flyer. Someone maybe you can pick up in free agency after your rookie drafts are over. Uh, just as someone to back up Carson Wentz, as we do know he gets hurt or can get hurt often. He has been the past couple seasons. Uh, but outside of that, I, I don't see much for Thorson. Yeah, I think Th Thorson is a, you know, he is a Charlie Whitehurst kind of guy. Uh, he's got adequate arm strength, but he's um, he's a career clipboard holder. He's one of those guys, I think, that'll come in and uh, not lose a game for you, but he's not going to come in and uh, save your season if your starter goes down. Reliable guy, puts up some decent numbers. Um Again, he's he's a guy I think you you want on your team in that QB three, maybe QB two, uh, in real life football, not fantasy. Put him up there and uh, let him be ready to go because that's what he'll do is he'll be ready. Uh, he'll come in and he'll execute a limited version of your offense uh, and not turn the ball over too much. 
With the fifth pick in the sixth round, the Jaguars took Gardner Minshew out of Washington State. Uh, another interesting pick for me, uh, Gardner Minshew is someone who was climbing my ranks there toward the end, uh, toward the draft, start, before the draft started, right, uh, leading into the draft, I guess is what I should have put it. Uh, someone that I like, someone I think possibly has some potential to be a starting quarterback, though I don't think that he ever really will do they did sign Nick Foles for a couple years so that will likely leave him in is just coming in to be Nick Foles backup for at least two years uh, but definitely someone worth watching I don't think that someone as you need to draft in your rookie drafts really though uh, even if he does become the starter he's someone I would imagine you'd be able to get uh, out of free agency at that point uh, no real fantasy love for me for him yeah he's a he's a dink and dunk quarterback and um you know, if, if you're into porn mustaches, he's your guy, but that's about it. <laughs> and then the last quarterback to get drafted was Trace McSorley out of Penn State. The Ravens traded up to the 24th pick in the sixth round to get him. Uh, you know, like to see that Trace got drafted. He's a, a guy that, uh, although he went to Penn State, I did root for. Uh, he seems to be a very good guy, and all the interviews that he's given, I've really liked uh, or given. He's re- one of the guys that I've really uh, enjoyed watching over the past couple years. Uh, do think the same thing with him. He, he's just going to be a career backup. I think he's someone who could come in and run an offense very close to what Lamar Jackson is going to run in Baltimore. Uh, so possibly if they end up moving on from RG3 in the next year or two, they'll have Trace McSorley there. I think he he's a practice squad guy for at least this year, next year. But other than that, nothing outside of a backup for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, the only reason McSorley has a job is because they need somebody that plays like Lamar Jackson. He's a terrible quarterback. <laughs> All right, moving on to the running backs. And this, uh, I feel like I'm going to say this about uh, the next group that we talk about, too, in the wide receivers. A lot of good players of the in these running backs, at least a lot of the players that I liked, went to really bad landing spots. The first couple guys, though, or I should say really just the first two, were phenomenal. Josh Jacobs, I w- I'll just be honest, I did not expect a running back to go into the first round. So Josh Jacobs got selected as the 24th pick overall to the Oakland Raiders. I understand a lot of people are going to take him as their 1-1s and their rookie drafts. You got workload, opportunity. He flashed and showed that he could be a phenomenal player at times last year for Alabama. I'm just not buying it. I understand if people want to take it because, again, this class, uh, especially with a lot of these landing spots, there's just not a lot of, lot to love in this running back class. There's still two guys I would take over him right now based on their landing spots and talent alone, which we'll get into. I imagine, Dennis, you agree with me because I know your feelings on Josh Jacobs as well. Uh, but it is a great landing spot for him, and I do expect him to split time with probably Chris Warren. I think he's going to be end up being that second guy there. Uh, and I do expect those two guys are just going to be the guys who run the ball a lot. We do know that uh, John Gruden loves to run the ball. And, I mean, he does air it out all of them, and he obviously got A.B. Uh, with a couple other wide receivers here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, I'm not that sold on him, but it is a great opportunity and landing spot for Mr. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, still going to hold steady to my belief that he's a timeshare back. I think that's what he showed he was at Alabama, and I think that – he flashes some elite traits sometimes, but I don't think he has any consistency. I don't think he's going to be able to hold up to it. I think he's just going to be a good back, but if you have to rely on him for you know, 
300 carries, 275 carries, uh, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed with him. Um, I think from a draft capital perspective and an athletic profile perspective, he is certainly better than Chris Warren, who is, you know, a deep stash dynasty darling. Um, but I think uh, I agree with you that they're going to end up splitting time. And part of what's going to happen is that Jacobs is going to show that he's a little more suited to the satellite back role, which is going to affect Jalen Richard, Um and you, that'll open up some more carries for Warren. Uh, Jacobs will give you a little more flexibility when he's on the field to be able to run the ball and pass the ball. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's going to he's, – he's not going to be one of these uh, superstar top three running backs that uh, we've had a couple come out, a few come out in the past few years and Gurley and – Elliot and Barkley, you know, he's not going to be, he's not in that class. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Miles Sanders went in the second round at the 21st pick. The Eagles uh, believe, yes, the Eagles traded, they traded to get that pick and then took him. I thought this was a home run. I am a little worried about going to the Eagles with Doug Peterson. We've seen him at times have a propensity to run a two to three running back offense. However, with everybody they have there, and Dennis, you know I'm a huge Josh Adams fan, I think Miles Sanders is easily the best running back they have right now in Philadelphia. I do imagine that when the season starts, he will be splitting time with one or two of those backs, but he is going to be so good, he is going to end up being the guy for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, He is, in my opinion, the one-one in this draft, uh, followed very closely with a running back we're going to talk here about in two picks. Um, I would not take a wide receiver at one-one, which is crazy to say, considering how much we were talking about this wide receiver class leading into the draft process. Uh, But I love the spot for Miles Sanders. I think he is going to be a stud for the next couple years. Yeah, I I like Sanders a lot. I am not uh, down on his landing spot. I do think he's going to have to earn uh, the dominant role. But much like Andy Reid, who uh, Peterson is from the Andy Reid tree, when Andy Reid had a stud back, the stud back gets the ball. Yeah. You know, all the way back to Ricky Waters and Brian Westbrook. I don't think Waters was there. I don't think Reed coached the Eagles when Waters was there. Uh, But Brian Westbrook, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt, when he's got when he's got a stud back, he gives the stud back the ball. And I think Sanders can be a stud back. Uh, I think he is going to have to show it, though. He's going to have to um, produce. And when he gets out there and he shows that. He can handle the workload. Um, it's going to reduce Josh Adams to um, a very, very complimentary role. It's going to reduce uh, Smallwood to a complimentary role. It's going to reduce Clement to a complimentary role. And Sanders is going to get 70%-ish of the uh, running back touches probably after week eight when he is uh, fully established he's the guy. Yeah, I think in all honesty, and as much as I hate to admit this, I think it's going to be Smallwood and Adams that kind of bite the dust there. I, I like what Clement does. I think we saw it in the 
their Super Bowl run a couple years ago. He's a phenomenal receiving back, and I think if they if, if Sanders can do exactly what we think he is, uh, Clement will be used in that role more than Ad- Adams is not very a very good receiving back at all. Um, Wendell Smallwood can be, but I think Clement is better than him, so I do think it's going to end up being Sanders-Clement. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, the next back off the board is an interesting one, and Darrell Henderson out of Memphis went as the sixth pick in the third round. Loved Henderson coming out. He was my number three behind Montgomery and Sanders. I still love him as a player. However, obviously he is blocked by Todd Gurley. However, if you have Todd Gurley or if you don't have Todd Gurley, he's someone I would still be interested in possibly getting at the back end of the second round or possibly the third round. I can't imagine he goes before then in any rookie draft because everybody's going to be thinking he's blocked by Todd Gurley. We've seen what Todd Gurley has done the past couple of years. He's been phenomenal. However, he's suffered the knee injuries. There's a lot of talk that with the arthritis in the knee and everything is getting worse and worse. I could not... I would not be surprised if he ends up flaming out, unfortunately, in the next couple years. I would hate to see that, as he's been phenomenal the past couple years. I would love for him to stay in the in the league for at least another five years. That just doesn't seem to be realistic with running back. So Darrell Henderson could be someone who will be a huge running back for fantasy in the next couple years. So if you've got a taxi squad or deep rosters, in my opinion, he's definitely worth the grab and stash for now. Yeah, I think... Henderson's going to have to come in and earn a role from Malcolm Brown and John Kelly. You know, I know Kelly hasn't really shown a lot up to this point, but I think he's a good back. But Henderson is just explosive. And uh, Sean McVay, um, I saw him on the NFL Network earlier. He basically said, look, Todd Gurley is just fine. Uh, football players, uh, after a certain number of hits, you have to start managing their workload. Gurley has been a starting running back in the NFL for, what, four years now? Yeah. Plus, he's had a couple knee injuries. So, arthritis or not, it's just not a position that lends itself to longevity. So, when you have an opportunity to bring in a dynamic player to put alongside your workhorse and maybe alleviate some of the pressure you do. Uh, If it turns out that um, Gurley's knee goes bad quickly, then I I could definitely see a timeshare with, you know, Henderson and Kelly. Kelly is a tough inside runner. Henderson's a little more, uh, a lot more dynamic and get on the edge and make that one cut and take it all the way. Uh, I don't know at his size if Henderson will be able to hold up long-term um, carrying the load, but he can definitely. I could definitely see him in uh, that Devonta Freeman role. Actually, I'd really hope that Atlanta drafted Henderson and to pair him with Devonta Freeman and eventually take over for Freeman in that two-back backfield that they run, but alas, no. Yeah, I think, uh, in all honesty, I- I'm really bullish on him just because I could see him very 
easily taking over that C.J. Anderson role. I know we saw a bigger run out of him in the playoffs due to the knee stuff with Todd Gurley, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start deploying more of a two-back offense here this next year, uh, just try and keep Todd Gurley a little bit more healthy, and I, I would not doubt that Darrell Henderson is able to beat out Brown um, and Kelly and take that spot. You know, I know I would imagine if they knew they were going to be able to get Henderson where they did in the draft, they would not have re-signed Brown. That's just, just my opinion. Uh, this next pick I thought was a home run pick, probably one of the best picks in the draft, in my opinion. The Chicago Bears got David Montgomery and the ninth pick in the third round. I think he easily comes in and replaces the Jordan Howard role, and on top of that, he is such a good receiving back that I actually think he's going to eat into Tariq Cohen's value some as well. I think George, uh, David Montgomery... You could argue, and I'd love to hear your opinion here, Dennis, in a second. Oh, you think of this right here. I honestly think he is in the argument with Miles Sanders for the 1-1 in this draft. With I guess if you want to throw Nikhil Harry in there because he went to the Patriots, though, I'll give my take on that when we get to the wide receivers. Um, I think Montgomery is right there as one of the best players to take in the rookie draft. He's phenomenal. Uh, he was, he's been right there as my one this entire time. And I know, Dennis, I believe you're with me on that. Uh, neither one of us has wavered and moved Josh Jacobs up to one. It's been David Montgomery since the end of the college season to now, and it stays that way. I think this is the perfect landing spot for him. He is a back that can run the ball and catch the ball. Nagy is going to use him perfectly. I am not worried about Cohen being there whatsoever. Well, you know, for those of you out there that uh, are in leagues with me, I just want you to know that I'm not a big Montgomery fan, and you can go ahead and pass on him. <laughs> no, Montgomery is still my 101. I, I love his elusiveness and his versatility. No, he does not have long speed. But if you look at uh, the NFL, there's a surprisingly few number of really long runs. They happen occasionally, but teams, they don't scheme for them. It isn't like they, you know, they're not in the huddle going, okay, we need a 78-yard touchdown run. If you need 78 yards, you're passing the ball. Long, long runs just happen. So Montgomery, he's a good-sized back. He's very elusive. Uh, got a great jump cut. You know, he's a guy that's going to, uh, with good vision that's going to see the hole and get through it and make the first guy miss often. And if he can get past that first guy, you know, he might get you 20, 25, but he's going to turn a lot of um, two-yard runs into seven-yard runs. And that's what wins football games. When you can eat up the clock, you can move the ball down the field, get first downs, stay in a positive game script. And he, I agree with you, he's got the versatility that he could, uh, I could see him, um, if he can beat out Mike Davis. Okay, who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> no, I think Davis is a good back. And I, I, I think, go it much like Miles Sanders, uh, Montgomery is going into a situation where he's he should be the, the top guy, but it's not going to get handed to him. He's got to go in. He's got to prove that he is worth it every single down, every single snap, uh, every single play. He's got to be assignment sound. He's got to not make mistakes that get his quarterback hit. Um, and so 
Mike Davis is going to have the edge on him there. Um, but I, I definitely feel like by midseason, much like Sanders, he's going to have established himself as the lead back there, um, getting 70%-ish of the touches, uh, whether they're passes or whether they're handoffs, and win, win that job. And I, I definitely think he is, you know, in that offense with that team, uh, with his ability, he's going to be set up for a nice long run of top 15 finishes. With the 10th pick in the third round, the Buffalo Bills selected Devin Singletary. Uh, that's a very interesting pick for me. Um, I'm someone who is down a little bit more on Singletary than others. I did still have him in my top 10. Uh, I liked what I saw out of him. The combine did not scare me off of his performance of what I saw on tape. Uh, he is someone that I think could come in and replace Shady McCoy. Uh, I believe it was actually something you brought up on a previous episode when we had the Bills guys on. With the Shady McCoy could end up being a possible cap casualty. He's a guy that I believe they can get out of their con- his contract with a fairly low cap hit. Um, and I would not be surprised if they try and do that with as bad as he looked at times last year. Uh, so Singletary is another interesting player for me. Uh, especially with his landing spot, someone who could possibly, I don't know if he, I don't think he'll ever be an RB1 uh, like McCoy has been at times, but I do think that he is a a solid running back who could produce for you for fantasy. Yeah, I think for me, Singletary is um, uh, one head of a two-headed monster, and I think that's his ceiling. He can be very productive, uh, splitting carries and touches, um, he has some explosiveness uh, despite his poor 40 time, but he's not a big back. He, he's a small, I think he was 5'8 and 206, so he is sturdy. Um, and go, going to Buffalo, uh, you know, that team is rebuilding, and I think they're giving, they're bringing people in and basically saying, you know what, uh, here's the ball. You guys fight for it, and whoever wins it's going to get it. So. They've got some guys there to kind of show the way. Uh, it's interesting you bring up uh, Shady McCoy. Yeah, they can get out. If they cut cut him uh, this year, it's only a $2.6 million cap hit. Gotcha. Uh, I'm not sure what Buffalo's cap space is. But McCoy is kind of selfish, whereas Frank Gore is the uh, ultimate team guy. And I could definitely see them uh, – having Gore come in, take this rookie under his wing, teach him how to work, teach him how to be an NFL player, um, and end up with McCoy either being put on the street or traded or just kind of use Gore to shield this young impressionable back from uh, you know, the worldly ways of Shady McCoy. You know, you don't get a nickname, the nickname Shady by being a choir boy. <laughs> With the 23rd pick in the third round, the New England Patriots selected Damian Harris. Uh, I think it's a great spot for him to land, though I do expect him to be splitting time with Michelle and White. Um, I, I liked Harris coming out. He was still, again, one of my top 10 backs in this class. I just don't expect much of him. Maybe if they end up letting go of James White in the next year or so, he could come in and kind of be that pass-catching back where Sony Michelle is going to be the guy who more they use to pound the rock. Do need to worry a little bit about Sony Michelle with the knee issues. He, again, struggled most of his rookie year with the knee injuries, even though he still had the phenomenal year. So something to look forward to in the future. But I don't ever expect Damian Harris to be the guy who's who's running the ball you know, 20, 30 times a game for the New England Patriots. 
Well, I think the only thing that prevents that from happening consistently is that the New England Patriots don't give the same person the ball 25 times a game week after week after week. Um, you know, I think Michelle has that capability. I think Harris has that capability. He had 2,000-yard seasons in college, um, caught over 50 passes in college. So he has the versatility to be a three-down back. But in New England, as long as Belichick's there, it's what works best for this week's game. Um, and so be figuring until we can see what the role is going to be for Michelle and for Harris and for white and for Burkhead, uh, I, I think it comes down to a, you know, he could, he could be, a uh, have an RB two floor or he could be a guy that just never really gets a shot. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, Belichick in his relationship with Saban probably knows as much or more about Damian Harris than uh, anybody except his mother. So bringing him in as a senior, you know, he had a he rushed for a thousand yards as a sophomore. So when you're looking at metrics like breakout age and things like that, you know, he Damian Harris was the reason that Josh Jacobs was in a timeshare. So he, he was able to keep Josh Jacobs in the secondary role. So it's not that, you know, he's not a bad back at all. He's, he's a lunch pail guy, very workman. He's not flashy, but he's going to, he could come in, carry the ball 200 times uh, and catch 40 passes. And you're going to look back on the season and wonder where, where did all these points come from? Um, he could also come in, carry the ball 200 times catch 40 passes, and because it was so nondescript, you look back and go, why did I leave these points on my bench all season? With the 38th pick in the third round, the Minnesota Vikings took Alexander Madison, a guy who is propped up on this very podcast by a good friend of ours and Garrett Price. You can find him at Dynasty Price, uh, one of the writers for the Dynasty Nerds there with you, Dennis. Uh, talked a lot about him and was propping him up a lot on the podcast we did with him. Uh, someone that uh, I looked more into and I did like him. I, I don't know how much I like this landing spot for him. I do think that he has a chance to carve out a, a role there with Dalvin Cook. Again, Dalvin Cook, another guy who struggled with injuries, so he could end up being a guy who comes in and replaces him and, and produces for him and becomes an RB1 at the times that Dalvin Cook is out. Uh, but I don't ever see him taking the job away from Dalvin Cook. Still someone, though, I do think could be fantasy relevant. So if you're a Dalvin Cook owner or if he's sitting there for you in the second round, in my opinion, uh, possibly even the third round probably would be a better spot for him, uh, is someone I would definitely grab in your rookie drafts. Yeah, I think he's going to be a, I, I hesitate to call him a change of pace because his game is very similar to Cook, uh, minus the explosion. Um, rushed for 1,400 yards as a senior, or a junior, excuse me, 17 touchdowns, but he also caught 60 passes in three years in college as well. So he has a, a he, he can play the, the full spectrum of football out there. So I, I feel like he's more of a, Hand going to end up being more of a handcuff and a change of pace guy. Uh, I could see him uh, moving up to the number two role uh, and and being that direct backup to Cook. 
uh, and somebody that when Cook misses time uh, can step in without losing a beat like uh, Latavius Murray did. So you know, he's a good back, but I, I, you know, Dalvin Cook is dynamic, man. Yeah, and 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 while Madison's a a good back, it's it, it's just when, when you watch the two of them play, it's just not quite the same. You know, there's you know there's four yards in a cloud of dust, and there's four yards in fireworks. With the 10th pick in the 4th round, the Washington Redskins took Bryce Love. Very interesting pick for me. Um, Obviously, you touched on earlier at the beginning of the podcast. We don't know for sure if Darius Geis is even going to be back to start this year. He suffered another setback. Still dealing with issues from the ACL tear. Uh, We we obviously know that they brought back Adrian Peterson for one more season. Um, But I love the pick of Bryce Love. Chances are he doesn't do much this year. He did tear his ACL back in the bowl game. Uh, I would imagine he'll probably be put on IR designation for return uh, when the season starts and be able to come back after Week 10. Maybe we see something of him from them, but I don't expect him to do much this year. However, I do think that it will be a dynamic duo of him and Darius Geis for the next couple of years to come. I liked Bryce Love. I know you are a big fan of Bryce Love as well. I think that he is going to be someone who is very fantasy relevant in 2020 in a backfield of him and Geis for Washington. Yeah, I, you know, I like him a lot. And while I think he can have a, a playable role for fantasy purposes, uh, you know, I think Geis is just going to be a, a really good back. So it, it, it's it's tough. You know, Love is a pretty dynamic runner. He did catch 20 passes last year, uh, even though he missed, what, four or five games. Yeah. So with Chris Thompson being in the last year of his contract, you know, I, I can see Love coming in and taking over that Chris Thompson role. Uh, you know, guys can catch the ball a little bit too. And so with Love's ability to run and Geis's ability to catch, they be, the team becomes a little more diverse when they're on the field. So it isn't like when you put Adrian Peterson out there uh, in place of Geis, you, you know they're, they're going to run the ball or they're going to not throw it to Adrian Peterson. With, with Love and Geis, you're going to have more flexibility to run uh, – plays that include them regardless of the down and distance with the 11th pick in the fourth round the baltimore ravens selected justice hill out of oklahoma state i love this pick i'm a huge fan of justice hill uh i i know i know that you liked him but i know you weren't quite as big of a fan of him as i was i, I love justice hill coming out Gonna, it's interesting for him to land here obviously you've got mark ingram who they brought over in the offseason he's going to be their lead down back I would not be surprised if he beats out Dixon, Edwards, Irvin. I think they got, uh, was it Lance Turner? DeLance Turner, I believe, is another guy they have there. Uh, I-, I could easily see Justice Hill coming in and being the Alvin Kamara to Mark Ingram. Now, Mark Ingram, I still think, is going to get a bulk of the work here. He is not going to be splitting time. It's going to be like a 80-20 split. But I love this spot for Justice Hill, especially 
because Lamar Jackson really is only accurate about five yards from the line of scrimmage, and that's where Justice Hill is going to be. However, I think both uh, him and Mark Ingram are going to lose out on a lot of rushing yards to Lamar Jackson, obviously. Um, We'll see if they actually hold up to what you talked about earlier, not allowing him to run the ball as much. Uh, But I love the spot for Hill. I actually think that he has a chance to be be their main receiving back in this offense. Yeah, I... I, I like Hill in that role. Um, it's just kind of with, with that offense. It's just kind of meh. You know, they're they're going to be a running offense, and when they do pass the ball, I think they're going to be taking shots downfield or throwing it to Mark Andrews. Um, you know, him and Jackson really started to develop a connection. So, it even if they increase the passing attempts by 15%, they're still only throwing the ball 26, 27 times a game. So it's it's not that they're not going to be a, a throwing offense, and it's really going to end up uh, creating opportunity for Edwards and um, Ingram to run the ball. And, you know, it's it's... I'm I'm in wait and see mode when it comes to pieces of that ball. Other than Ingram, when it comes to pieces of that Baltimore offense, I'm in wait and see mode. With the 20th pick in the fourth round, the Pittsburgh Steelers selected Benny Snell Jr. out of Kentucky. A uh, good pick for them. I think he's going to add a lot of depth to that running back uh, backfield there. Not sold on him being much for fantasy, though. Uh, they obviously have Jalen Samuels and James Conner there. I could see him coming in and being kind of a change of pace guy, but not quite the receiver that Jalen Samuels is. And I, I honestly don't think he's quite as good a runner as James Conner is either. I think uh, Benny Snell is a little bit slower than both of them. He can do what both of them do, but I don't think as good as what both of them are very good at in Samuels and Connors. Uh, so I like the pick for Pittsburgh. I think it's going to give them depth, but outside of that for fantasy, I don't see much here for Benny Snell. Yeah, you know, Pittsburgh has a type, don't they? Yeah. Um, now, I, you know, Snell is a capable pass catching back. He did catch 30 passes in college. Um, carried the ball over 700 times. At, had over 1,000 yards all three years in college. Um, but he's not he's not an explosive back, but uh, Connor is not an explosive back. It's he's going to be a backup to Connor, and if Connor goes down, he's going to come in and he's going to play the same role that Connor plays. But uh, I don't see him getting on the field unless um, for m- m- any more than a handful of snaps, unless Connor is injured. With the 26th pick in the fourth round, the Dallas Cowboys selected Tony Pollard out of Memphis. Uh, For me, I'm not – I like this pick when it happened. Uh, As someone who could back up Zeke and maybe be kind of a change of pace guy until they drafted someone else later in the seventh round who I think is going to be end up better than Tony Pollard and someone who's going to better help support Zeke because he's already done it before. Uh, So for me, this is really nothing for me in fantasy. I I don't have anything I I wouldn't really – take a I guess you could take a flyer on Tony Pollard but he's not someone that I'm really looking at well if you're drafting Pollard um you're drafting him on the with the hope that Zeke gets injured uh 
and then he becomes the receiving half of the backfield. Uh, Pollard caught 100 passes in college, 104 passes. And so in order for him to be fantasy relevant, Zeke is going to have to go down because Zeke is a good pass catcher, good pass blocker. Uh, when Zeke wants to be on the field, Zeke is on the field. And for the most part, Zeke wants to be on the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other back that they drafted, we'll talk about here in a few. Um, Pollard and him are, if Zeke goes down, then they form a two-headed monster. Um, but until then, neither one of them are, uh, you know, they sit on the taxi squad, sit on the, you know, the last two spots on your, your bench kind of guys. Yeah. With the second pick in the fifth round, the Jacksonville Jaguars took Ryquel Armstead out of Temple. Uh, interesting pick for me, especially with all the issues that they've had with Leonard Fournette. There were a lot of people who are very high on Armstead, someone who could possibly take over and be the guy for Jacksonville. Um, maybe going forward, again, we have a really deep running back class coming out next year, so I'm hesitant to say that he's the future of Jacksonville, but I do think he's someone who could step in and be a valuable backup for Fournette and possibly even be a worthy starter on the weeks that Fournette is hurt because, well, we all know at some point in time in the 2019 season, Fournette will be on the bench because he's hurt. Yeah, uh, Armstead's going to get to start at least five games. Uh, the, the three that uh, Fournette's injured and the two that he's suspended. Um <laughs> And he's going to end up, I think this is a situation of the Jaguars saying, what happens if, you know, they looked at their team and said, what happens if we don't have Leonard at all? What, are we, what do we need to do? Um, and they, in Armstead, they have a guy that they can plug in there and play. Uh, he catches about the same number of balls as Fournette, which is not very many, um, but he's a tough runner. He's got some ability. Um, he isn't he isn't the running back uh, that Fournette is, but he can step in and be a solid guy for you know, uh, the rest of the season if something happens. And maybe he proves that he can carry the load. Uh, he you know he looked good in college at Temple, so. There's going to be some uh, opportunity with uh, Fournette and uh, being somewhat of a cantankerous son of a gun. So Armstead may get uh, opportunity sooner rather than later, so he needs to make sure he's ready. But uh, I, I wouldn't, it's not somebody I'm drafting. Uh, I'm not drafting him looking for the next Philip Lindsay, that's for sure. With the 14th pick in the fifth round, the Atlanta Falcons took Quadriolison out of Pittsburgh. Interesting pick for me. Um, I know he's been your guy for a long time, and during this process, Dennis, he's actually someone I could see being right there with Devonta Freeman. Uh, I imagine this is exactly where you're going to go too, so I'm going to let you have the floor on him, but I do think he's someone who can end up beating out Edo Smith and kind of being the uh, the second player to uh, Devonta Freeman in this uh, very potent Atlanta Falcons offense. Yeah, Allison's a, you know, he's a good back. He got snubbed at the combine, but he's a big guy, 6'2", 225, so he is a little bit reminiscent of uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, you know, he's, he doesn't have a lot of wiggle to his game, but he can get out there and he can uh, bowl you over and he's going to gain some tough yards. Rush for, he had a, broke out as a freshman with over 1,100 yards. 
then proceeded to sit the next two years behind Connor uh, after Connor came back from his uh, lymphoma. Uh, he did catch, let's see, close to 50 passes in college. So he does have some receiving chops. I, I think he's a better back than Ito Smith. And I think that, uh, you know, as long as they're not running him side to side, trying to get him outside, uh, if they keep him, you know, tackle to tackle, I think he could step in and, and be that number two guy uh, with potentially if uh, Freeman gets injured again, which seems to be he's, uh, he's starting to wear down. Um, I could see him stepping up and maybe taking on that role and becoming the number one guy. Uh, I'm a big fan of this landing spot, uh, and, I, and I've been a fan of the guy, the, the back, uh, for a while now. With the 16th pick in the fifth round, Jordan Scarlett got selected by the Carolina Panthers out of Florida. Uh, Scarlett, I don't think is going to be much then other than a change of pace guy and guy to kind of come in and relieve Christian McCaffrey. We all know how good McCaffrey is. We've seen it over the past couple seasons. Uh, I would imagine Scarlett is someone who's going to steal a couple goal line uh, scores from Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton as well. Obviously, that's who they kind of use as that big bowling ball down there by the goal line. Um, I think that that's what Scarlett is now going to be outside of that. I don't see much for him fantasy-wise. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, if you're drafting Scarlett, you're drafting and drafting him as the handcuff to McCaffrey. Yeah. And then even uh, if he does, if McCaffrey does go down, I, I don't know that Scarlett is the guy that is going to take on the primary role there. I think they re-signed Cameron Artis-Payne, who has shown that when McCaffrey is out that he can carry the ball. Or actually, I think he might have done it more when Stewart was out than yeah. McCaffrey, but... You know, I could see Scarlett and uh, Cap forming a duo in uh, the absence of McCaffrey. But uh, much like Zeke, uh, McCaffrey doesn't ever seem to want to come off the field. He wants all the carries and all the catches. With the ninth pick in the sixth round, the Bengals took Travion Williams out of Texas A&M. Uh, I like this pick for them. Uh, I think he fits perfectly into that Gio Bernard role. I think he is better than Gio Bernard, much faster, better pass catcher. Uh, I think that he has some fantasy value. It, it's, again, this offense is kind of an enigma for me. We don't know what they're going to do. This Obviously, Marvin Lewis and all of them out of there. We now have Zach Taylor in there. Going to be interested to see what they do. I like him, though. I do think he's a very explosive player, very explosive receiving back. If they use him as a threat out of the backfield, he's going to be very valuable for fantasy, uh, but I don't see him stealing touches or anything like that away from Joe Mixon, uh, but I do expect him, even if he doesn't beat out Bernard this year, he will be the guy next year. Yeah, I... I, uh... You know, I'm not necessarily sold yet on. Uh, oops, I'm waiting for something to pop up here. I'm not necessarily sold on um, Williams being a better pass catcher than Bernard. Uh, Williams caught. Da, 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 what did he catch? He caught 66 passes in three years uh, at Texas A&M, which is a good number. Uh, Bernard caught 92 passes in two years at North Carolina. So if, uh, if he's going to take over that Bernard role, I, I think it's going to be um, because they move on from Bernard and without uh, pulling his contract up. 
I, I think that we're getting close to the end of his contract, and so it would be relatively painless. Um, Bernard is somebody that, interestingly enough, you know, I was talking with John Weber uh, today during the draft because uh, once the Rams drafted Henderson, he's like, oh, my God, I need to, what am I going to do about my girly shares? And I'm like, man, you're going to not do nothing. I, I was telling him, I'm like, you know, I don't have, I haven't heard a single thing about it, but, you know, Gio Bernard would fit nice in uh, Tampa. You know, he's a decent runner, a great pass catcher. You know, everybody keeps wanting to put Duke Johnson there, but I think Gio Bernard would be a good guy to go to Tampa. Yeah, wouldn't be a bad fit. I mean, I think Duke Johnson's a little bit better, but not quite as fast as Bernard, but yeah, that would not be a bad fit at all. With, uh, with the 13th pick in the sixth round, the Detroit Lions selected Ty Johnson out of Maryland. Uh, again, same thing for me on the fantasy scale here. I don't see much for him fantasy-wise here, uh, especially behind on Johnson. I think it's going to be mostly the Johnson show, even though they've come out and said they don't expect him to be the workhorse, uh, which I think is kind of a little bit of bull. Uh, I do think that uh, Ty Johnson is just going to be a comp- in a complimentary role there. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm, that doesn't move the needle for me at all. With, uh, with the 21st pick in the sixth round, the Green Bay Packers took Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. Like Dexter Williams, I know he's another guy that you, you've talked about at times, looked very good uh, from what you saw. But uh, with him going to an already loaded backfield, I, I'm not expecting much out of him. I could see him beating out Jamal Williams, as I don't think Jamal Williams is a very good back. I think Aaron Jones is the best back there. Uh, but other than that, I, I really don't see much for him right now, fantasy-wise, moving forward. Yeah, and I'm not even sure he's going to beat out Jamal Williams. I think Jamal has settled in uh, to a role there, and he's probably going to play out his contract, and then maybe Dexter takes over in that role. But, yeah, Aaron Jones is the guy to own there. And uh, based on this this draft, uh, it seems like LaFleur thinks that's the guy to own there too. With the 31st pick in the sixth round, the Seattle Seahawks took Travis Homer out of Miami. Uh, doesn't move the needle much for me, honestly. They already have Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Uh, I think those two guys are the guys there. I know uh, as you as a Penny truther uh, likely will think that Penny is going to take over uh, the, the lead back role here. I don't think Travis Homer is much better, if better, than Chris Carson. So this one doesn't move the needle for me either. Well, the only uh, thing I could see happening with Homer, um, you know, he may get some special teams action, but he did catch close to 40 passes in two years of college. And C.J. Procise can't stay healthy, and J.D. McKissick is coming off an injury. Um, so there could be a role there if, if Penny is carrying the ball more. Now, I know you know, Penny is a, a, a really good pass catcher. So as long as he's able to do the blocking, you know, it, Homer could just end up being a special teams guy. But it's somebody to maybe keep an eye on and see how that uh, offense shapes up. But, yeah, Penny's the guy you want there. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the 38th pick in the sixth round, Rodney Anderson was selected by the Cincinnati Bengals out of Oklahoma, possibly the most disappointing pick for me. Um, not that he went in the sixth round, but that he went to Cincinnati. I love Rodney Anderson. Uh, I know we have both talked about it. He was a top five running back in both of our opinions going into this draft with his talent alone. 
definitely has a huge injury history, so that has to be factored in here. Uh, but unfortunately, I just don't see him being able to carve out much of, if any, kind of role in Cincinnati behind Mixon, Bernard, and Williams there now. Um, hopefully, maybe he gets traded somewhere within the next couple of years and is able to show something. He's someone I'll still take a flyer on at probably the, one of the last picks in the fourth round because I doubt he goes before that if he even gets drafted in rookie drafts now going to Cincinnati. Yeah, it's a, it's a disappointing landing spot. Uh, as we were getting towards the end of the draft there, I was uh, looking at that and uh, thinking, man, Maybe he lands in uh, Tampa. That might be a good spot for him. Um, but right now, you know, I know since he's got to build up their their depth, uh, Gio's coming to the end of his contract, and uh, they have to decide if they want to keep him. And I think they cut Mark Walton after his yes, arrest. they did, yes. So, you know, they do need to build up some depth. But, boy, having Anderson have to just sit behind Gio or uh, – Joe Mixon is, is a disappointing spot to be. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I was hoping he would land to the Chiefs, who they ended up drafting a uh, a guy two picks later, three picks later, at 41 spot in the sixth round, Darwin Thompson out of Utah State. Interesting prospect, not someone that I saw a lot of tape on or had very high. A lot of people liked him as a a middle-tier prospect in this class, Uh, someone who's going to come in and will likely get a chance to do something in in this Kansas City backfield with just uh, Darrell Darrell Williams and Damian Williams. Yeah, you know, Thompson's not a big guy, so he's going to – I don't see him – Carrying the ball as a lead back, uh, more of a satellite player, change of pace guy. So I, it didn't move the needle for me. I, I think that uh, you know maybe he's somebody that if Williams goes down and Carlos Hyde uh, becomes the lead back, then he shares the backfield and plays that uh, satellite role with uh, you know kind of like Tariq Cohen. Uh, with Hyde as the the pounder, but it, it it's a uh, there, there's no there there really for me. Yeah, with uh, the fourth pick in the seventh round, this is someone we were talking about earlier. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys selected Mike Weber out of Ohio State. He is someone that uh, I know again. People may think this is our Ohio State bias. We both liked. We both thought he was a top 10 back in this class. Um, I do think he's someone who could come in and be a change of pace back. Obviously, he's not doing anything while Zeke is on the field. Zeke is a guy who, as you pointed out earlier when we talked about Pollard, is going to be a guy who, if he wants to be on the field, he's going to be out there. But if he goes down, he can produce for you. And I do think that he'll come in at times to give Zeke a break here and there. But outside of that, unless you own Zeke as someone to possibly grab as a backup in case Zeke gets hurt, uh, I don't really have much interest, unfortunately, in Mike Weber. Yeah, there's, you know, it's it's an unfortunate situation. Um, I think he'll end up probably starting off the year as a kick, re- kick returner, um, you know, playing some sort of role like that. It's not really going to move the needle. Yeah. Um, playing, you know, unless Zeke gets injured. With uh, with the sixth pick in the seventh round, the Houston Texans took Cullen Gillespie out of Texas A&M. Going to be honest, 
they have not done much of, if any, work on him, to be completely honest with you guys. So I don't know what to expect out of him. Uh, was kind of disappointed that Zero. the Texans... Yeah. Okay, that's what I figured too. But uh, disappointed the Texans didn't take somebody else. Again, a Rodney Anderson I think would have been a great grab by the Texans there. But uh, don't don't expect anything out of him. He is a uh, he spent his first three years at Texas A and M as a linebacker. Ah, gotcha. Um, okay. Subbed in, played a little bit of fullback. So he he's a career special teamer. Okay. With the eighth pick in the seventh round, the Chicago Bears took Kareth Whiteside Jr. Uh, out of Florida Atlantic. Same thing for me uh, with a couple of the guys that they already have there in Davis, now Montgomery, and uh, Cohen. I, I don't expect anything out of White. Maybe a special teamer. That's it. Yeah, I not moving the needle for me at all. And then the last running back drafted, Miles Gaskin with the 20th pick in the seventh round out of Washington. Uh, a little disappointed that he went this late. I thought he might go higher. Uh, some of it might be the workload on his legs, as you've touched on in a previous podcast. I believe it was with, oh, excuse me, with was uh, with Garrett or Andrew. Uh, I can't remember which one we were talking about him with, uh, but both of them. And you mentioned the fact that he uh, had a lot of workload on his legs back in college. Uh, so interested to see how that works out i don't see him being much right now there with the backfield that they have obviously again new regime maybe they drafted him because they they like him i I don't think of anything he's he's a receiving back that's it i I would imagine he's going to end up being more of a special teamer uh but i don't see him doing much outside of the receiving game in the backfield yeah i mean he he rushed for over five thousand yards in college uh had uh his lowest was 1,268 yards uh, in four years. So he was a four-year starter. Um, can catch the ball. Uh, I see him uh, playing a you know the James White role to uh, Kenyon Drake's Sony Michelle. Well, all right, so that is going to do it for the first podcast on the draft. We just did the quarterbacks and the running backs. Uh, me and Dennis, will this this episode will be up, and then look for the wide receivers and tight end episode to come out in just a few hours after this. Dennis, before we cut out of here, as hold always. Up, hold up, go hold ahead. up. Let me, let me ask you, I, I've been tracking the uh, free agent signings a little bit. Let me throw a couple at you and see what you think. Okay. So Elijah Holyfield. Signed a free agent contract with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it does nothing any- for me. With with what we just talked about already, obviously, with Jordan Scarlett there and Christian McCaffrey again, maybe I think he could possibly be better than Scarlett, but really, fantasy-wise, does nothing for me. Yeah, he's, he's you know, maybe he replaces Cameron Artis Payne. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh, Karen Higdon signed with Houston out of Michigan. That is very interesting to me. He's someone who a lot of people liked. Uh, I actually know a few people who were on SiriusXM thought he might be have a chance to be a decent two-back, uh, someone who could split time uh, in the NFL. So going to Houston, if they can get someone else there with him, I think he might actually be a very interesting late-round f- flyer for fantasy. Well, Houston then also signed Demarie Crockett. I don't know much about Crockett, so that one that one's going to be, I have no idea, to be honest with you. So Demarie Crockett out of Missouri. Uh, rushed for 1,000 yards as a freshman. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's anything special. 147 carries, 709 yards as a senior, 5'11", 225. Uh, and then uh, the last one, 
Uh, I got two, actually. Uh, Divino Zigbo signed with New Orleans. Uh, I'm interested in it. Um, and well, let's just be transparent. We talked about him a little bit before the uh, before we started recording. Uh, what I said on there was I'd be inter- I'm interested in Zigbo as a late round pick, but I don't think he does anything until Latavius Murray is gone. I think it's going to be the Murray and Kamara show. Um, but I do think Zigbo can be somebody who is decent for fantasy value once Murray is gone in a couple years. And then last free agent of note running back, uh, Bruce Anderson out of North Dakota State or South Dakota State, mm-hmm. uh, running back, signed with Tampa Bay. Uh, considering I don't think any of the running backs in Tampa Bay are, are good, I guess you could throw Bruce Anderson in there, but uh, I, I don't. I would imagine Peyton Barber is going to have the job. We'll see what Ronald Jones does. He's been getting a lot of positive publicity so far this offseason so it doesn't really move the needle for me right now yeah anderson you know he's uh a good pass catcher let's see though his college stats don't show it but his technique uh like at the senior bowl he looked really good catching the ball um rushed for almost three thousand yards in college so he he's i was surprised he didn't get drafted so we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So let everybody know, obviously, where they can find you on Twitter and anything you've got coming up, and uh, we'll we'll get out of here for the quarterbacks and running backs. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at culture underscore coach, and on this podcast with my illustrious co-host, uh, I do write for DynastyNerds.com, and I will be covering the uh, winners and losers. Uh, fantasy impact of the rookies for the NFC North coming out here in a couple days. A bunch of us writers are all collaborating on some articles and each of us taking a division. And so I'm doing the NFC North. So that'll be out here shortly. Very nice. Well, look forward to it. Thank you guys. I shouldn't say look forward just yet. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode again about the quarterbacks and running backs and join us here in just a little bit to hear our takes on the wide receivers and tight ends. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the lead. Golly! Only tackle in the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>